Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. All right, Dan, I think that you have to uh, acknowledge the fact that there's football to talk about. We'll get to that. There's the offseason to get to as well. But this week, whether you're an NFL fan or just a casual uh, non-sports fan, DeMar Hamlin and the incident Monday Night Football having to be resuscitated and now his recovery has captivated a country. And it has brought out in many ways the best in people. And I think that's worth mentioning as we sit here this morning. On Friday morning, the news is very encouraging and the most positive it has been all week. He is in a hospital uh, room in Cincinnati at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. But the Bills tweeted out that he has been communicating with teammates via FaceTime. He talked to the team uh, through that um, through that device. And I think that when he told them, that, I love you, boys. Uh, you just, it's a great, it's a great development in a story that has uh, at, at different times this week um, struck us in different ways. Yeah. I mean, David, the bills put out the tweet that said that uh, DeMar Hamlin had had the, you know, the, the tubes removed that, that were aiding his breathing. And then you get word that he spoke not only to his family, but the, the team. And, and I told you like, the emotions that that produced, the head-to-toe goosebumps you got just reading the tweet were powerful. I can't imagine what Buffalo Bills players were feeling on the other end of that FaceTime call four days after, right? Like, I mean, three full days <laughs> after they, they watched DeMar Hamlin basically die in front of them on a football field in Cincinnati, be revived twice, taken to a hospital, be in critical condition, and now reach the end of the week with the ability to speak to them. 
right? I mean, what a what a what a week, you know, on so many levels. Um, not only for that young man and his family and his team, but but for the, for the country to kind of experience that uh, along with everyone, you know. And and then and then for us, obviously, in our role here in Chicago of covering the Bears, to have the opportunity to talk to to Bears players about the impact of, of seeing something like that, of experiencing something like that, of, of, of the, the deeper reflection that that prompts. It's been a powerful week. There's no question about it. And I know you've spent all week talking about it uh, on 670 The Score, and this is our first chance to kind of hash it out here. Well, I think it's been something that uh, among the more interesting things to see how players have responded because we see these guys as gladiators and it is such a violent sport and there's, you know, it's not a contact sport. It's a collision sport is always the cliche. And yet what this has done in, in many ways to many people is it's humanized them. And so you hear uh, Josh Allen speak at the press conference on Thursday and you see him react in real time with tears in his eyes and yeah. Stephon Diggs and the Bills players. But, Dan, I, I did find it, and I'll let you take it from here before we get to the audio, listening to Sam Mustafer and mm-hmm. David Montgomery locally at Hallis Hall address – their football mortality, the the vulnerability that each player feels this week more than ever, I thought that was very powerful and gripping. Yeah, um, we got some really good sound here, and the Bears have some really good guys in that locker room who are able to uh, articulate and, and describe the emotion that goes along with that. I'll tell you a little just a, a personal aside here, watching that game on Monday night with my nine-year-old son, and experiencing that moment with him this is the year where where football became more than just an interest for him it became a every minute passion you know and to to to, to see a 9 year old trying to process what he's watching on a routine tackle uh, and then see an ambulance and then see his favorite players crying on the football field, you know, it, you're, you're trying to work through it. And at one point, my son was on his iPad. He was in the fantasy chat room because he had uh, Jamar Chase and Tyler Bass playing in his his final fantasy game of the season. And so then I said, what are you doing over there? He said, I'm just talking to two of my friends in the chat room there. And so after he went to bed, I, I, I like I'm going to pull up and see what they were talking about in the chat. Really some heartening stuff from young kids, understanding the magnitude and perspective of, boy, we really hope. Demar's okay. This is scary. I can't believe they're doing CPR, things like that. And as a dad, you're you're, you're kind of choked up because you know how how big this is, and then you, you know you have to explain this to to uh, you know a kid who is a a diehard fan of the league and a future you know obviously audience member. That's in our house. I can't imagine being in the households of people that have NFL players. In there, and Sam Mustafer, I think, was was terrific in in cutting open a vein and describing some of that this week on on Wednesday when we had a chance to talk with both him and David Montgomery about this. And and one of the first things that we talked to Sam about was just the as a player, kind of seeing that unfold, seeing it unfold on national television, and how. And here's what here's what Sam had to say in that regard. It's tough. Um... You know, there's a young man who's 24 years old, two years younger than me, in the hospital fighting for his life. Like, that's that's different. We go out there, and we go out there with this idea that, you know, we play a violent game. We play a violent sport. Excuse me. Um, I've played through multiple injuries, seen guys. I've been one of the people who had the face mask ripped off the helmet and strapped to a board. Um, but, you know, I think Ryan Clark said it. You know, you're just looking for that thumbs up, and there was no thumbs up, and that's that's scary. Like uh, to be reminded of, you know, the the game that we play, the finality of life. Like that's when I strap up, I'm not thinking about that. You know what I mean? And uh, it's tough. It was uh, it's tough to see. Um, you know, 
my prayers go out, my thoughts and prayers uh, go out to him and his family, um, you know, all the people surrounding that community that is affected. Um, you know, I have teammates who I play with, who play with the Bills. I mean, we just shared a field with them the week before, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's different for sure. How do you put that up in your mind and go back to your job and, and focusing on what you have? Yeah, um, it's tough. Um it is tough. Like I, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I, you know, as tough as you want to be, as macho as you want to be, the like I said, it's a violent game we play. You know, I understand every time I go between the white lines, I might not come out the same guy I was when I walked on. Um, but that's different. Um, you know, you you try your best to compartmentalize everything, compartmentalize those feelings, and then go out there and uh, play the game you love. Like love this game. It's given me so much. Um, it's afforded me so many opportunities throughout my life, and you got to put things in perspective that way. And you know, there's there, there's really not many words to describe, you know, that that type of feeling, the emotions, the mixed feelings that I have because I, I do truly love this game. But when you see things like that, uh, you hate to see those happen. Yeah, I mean, David, I don't know about you, but I think obviously we've covered the league long enough to know that we've seen countless guys leave the field on a cart. You know, and you see the emotion sometimes when it's clear that a guy has, has immediately suffered a season-ending injury or, um, you know, in the worst cases, suffers a neck injury where they have to be put on that board, like Sam Mester for reference. And you see the, the way guys rally around that on the field. This was different. And the terror and the fear in the moment of that was so sharp and so pronounced that I, you know, I, I spent the, the the entirety of Monday night with a pit in my stomach from what I had witnessed to be there on the scene as Bills, Bengals players or coaches to be in the fraternity of NFL players. I can't imagine how much sharper that pit in their stomach was that night has been this week and may continue to be as they continue to sort through this. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, when you play that that sport, and, and it's a choice, obviously, and they're rewarded well. But I do think that, you know, the the examples you reference when there's a, a neck injury or a concussion, or when you're dealing with somebody blows out a knee, and there's the thumbs up, and there's all of that. You know, football players understand the implied risk of the sport, and so you make that conscious decision to accept that risk. When you play at, at a professional level, a college level, whatever the case may be, but I don't think you ever, you ever think uh, in terms of a life or death situation yeah. because it's just not something you ever ponder your your mortality when you're putting on a football helmet. You don't expect to see a teammate or an opponent or somebody playing the same sport you're playing having to be resuscitated because his heart stopped. So you don't anticipate having a hit like that. Which, which to me, I think makes a distinction between not that it's important, but I do think this week it has been instructional. There's a distinction to me between what happened to Demar Hamlin yeah. and the 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 explanation medically, and what uh, what we talk about on a regular basis about concussion awareness and 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 player safety. Because what happened to Demar Hamlin was the equivalent of a lightning strike on a football field, mm-hmm. whereas I think concussions are more common in, in the game today. And I think that's why there has to be a preventative uh, uh, action and an awareness that is constant. But I don't look at you want to have a referendum on football when we talk about concussions and 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 that kind of conversation. Fine. 
but I don't think this is that. I think this is something much different and more traumatic because of how rare and freakish it was. Well, you equated it to a, a lightning strike earlier in the week. I equated it to when I get on an airplane and I sign up for an exit row seat and the stewardess comes around, or the flight attendant comes around and says, hey, can you please get yourself up to speed with our procedures in case we need to evacuate this plane? And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no problem. I'm, I'm happy for the leg room. You're not thinking, you know, like I, right. I can't imagine if, if you've then had to, to use the details that are in that that card in the back of your seat back pocket how uh, it'd be a holy shit moment right like oh my god now how am i ever gonna gonna do this again and that's some of the the things emotionally and the bridge that these players will have to cross here i have no doubt that most of them will successfully cross this bridge here in in the coming weeks months and years but there for some it's going to be traumatic and it's going to sit in the back of their heads and it may cause them to shorten their career voluntarily just i don't know that i want to take these risks to this level it is a rare occurrence uh you know it, it, again like so we'll go we'll go into this the second piece of sound we have some from sam Mustaver because i think it's for a lot of these guys it's when they speak with their family when they speak with their their close friends who aren't in it that that it it hits them in a different way here's some of what sam Mustaver had to say about that yeah, um, yeah, I've had friends text me like, you know, how you doing? Like, is it different? And I'm one of those guys I don't like to talk about a lot of things with a lot of people. I really keep it internally. But, you know, my family understands that. Like, at the end of the day, this is my job. This is what I have to do. Um, but, yeah, they don't they don't sign up for that. His, uh, his mother didn't sign up for that. She thought, you know, she was going to watch her, her baby on Monday Night Football. Like, that's what we dream about, like Monday Night Football primetime game. And, uh they don't sign up for that, but it, it's unfortunate. Uh, my best wishes go to them, to her, being a parent. You know, it's, that's tough, man. I can't imagine. Like, I, I want my son to play football. You know, I, I do. I, I love this game. I love what it's taught me, the life lessons, you know, the responsibility, the accountability, the teamwork. And, uh, you know... I can't imagine, like, you know, seeing my son out there like that. I saw, like, I know how my mom would feel. I know how my dad would feel. So it's uh, it's unfortunate, man. David, to, to sit in that room Wednesday and to see that single tear come out of Sam Musfer's eye and kind of roll down his cheek, you know, it's a, a, a you know, again, it's a, a humanizing moment, right, for the entire league where when you're on a beat, you get to know these guys. Well, you get to develop an appreciation for who they are. And then in moments like this, you develop an appreciation for what they sacrifice and for what they invest and for what they are dealing with. Um, let's go right next into David Montgomery, who, who, who talked about kind of his emotions. This is Wednesday again, before we knew some of the promising progress that Demar Hamlin had made about his kind of uh, experience of, of processing this since Monday night. Yeah. Um, well, for my family first, after I watched it and I kind of felt my emotions, it, it gave me, um, it made me go hug my family more. Mm-hmm. Like, I hugged my girl and I told her thank you. Um, you know, I called my mom, I called my siblings, let them know that I love them. Um, because when stuff like that happens, like, sometimes you take for granted the play that you get. And... It's always an opportunity and a chance that you don't get to play the next play. Um, so I always, it made me look at it a completely different, understand that um, it's important to tell your family members and everybody that you love them. And, you know, the guys here, um, going back to the emotional piece, being able to tell the guys here, you know, 
um, that I love them and I do appreciate them and, and who they are, how they come to work. But um, outside of being football players, just who they are as humans, um, understanding that um, I show my love and my gratitude to those guys. Did you feel, did you feel different coming into work today or going out to the field? Uh, walking yeah, I was, I was, I was kind of uneasy. Um, it was just one of those things you put yourself in a situation and understand that it could be you. Um, so, like, it was definitely been the, on the forefront of my mind um, because, you know, it hasn't even been, you know, three, four days yet. And, you know, he's he in there fighting for his life. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it's was it been on my mind since it happened. It's going to be on my mind. And, um, yeah. Dave Montgomery is a pretty powerful speaker, too. They picked two guys who definitely are – leaders in that locker room whose voice carries a long way and also has a kind of perspective that you saw across the league, frankly, in every NFL city. I think that what we were reminded of this week is just how fragile, you know, uh, each career is. And so that the recognition of that and, and, you know, amplifying it from these guys is pretty refreshing. Yeah, there's no question about it. And that's a very good word is fragile, you know, and, and I think we take it for granted a lot uh, when we go to games, when we watch these players play games, you, you know, you just don't know uh, when it could be your last play, as David Montgomery said, a lot of those times it's it's because of an injury. In this case, it was because of a life-threatening emergency, uh, which obviously brought the impact of it down further. We'll have plenty of time in the months ahead to, to kind of talk about what this means for the future of football. Uh, you know, to your point, participation rates already dropping in the in the lower ranks because of the head injury part of things which is right. I, I agree with you it's a totally different lane on this discussion but this is <laughs> i guarantee you there are parents across the country that that experienced that on on monday night and said oh god you know like i, I gotta give some some second thoughts to, to what we're doing with this got one more piece of sound from david montgomery because i want to follow up after uh we hear from him just about kind of the the resources available to players now in today's NFL and 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 that component of of players understanding that their uh, mental health and their emotional well-being is is a huge part of what they do. Here's what David Montgomery had to say on that on that front. Being sure that we be translucent, that we are translucent um, and allowing everyone to feel whatever emotion that they feel and not judging them upon the emotion that they feel. Um, you know, allowing everyone to, to go through what they got to go through mentally, whether it's taking, you know, some time or, you know, taking a couple of plays to breathe a little bit or, you know, coming together as a full team and talking. Like, we had a, a great conversation this morning um, with the leadership council and the rest of the team. And, you know, Mr. McCaskey came down and, you know, he talked to us all. He let us all know that he here with us and he, he's here for us. Um, you know, we got our leaders stepping up and allowing everybody to know that this is a safe space, it's a safe haven for everyone to talk and be uh, completely vulnerable um, so that, you know, that you can express what you need to express because, like I always say, mental health is a real thing and this situation um, can be triggering um, for a lot of people's mental health, but, you know, we handling it accordingly and we, we in constant prayer for him and his family. That's really uh, also powerful because it's one thing to be a league that wants to embrace mental health initiatives and everybody can have the social media team that, that promotes uh, uh-huh. mental health awareness. 
But when you hear the emotion in his voice and using the kind of language, frankly, that he used in describing everything, you know that, number one, he is somebody who has bought into this and is, is using using his resources to his advantage. And also just when when it's uh, so prevalent, uh, it, it's more than just a commercial. These, these are real. This is real progress being made in a week where it's never been more necessary. Well, what, what I wanted to ask you, because you obviously played college football on a high level. And in my time covering the league, I've seen an evolution and, and a, a door opening up. Uh, Montgomery used the word vulnerable, um, you know, just to see the acceptance of players being able to express their emotions, to come to grips with their emotions, to do those things that, that didn't exist when you and I were growing up. It didn't probably didn't exist 15, 20 years ago in terms of how far open that door is. I just, I'm curious your perspective, having lived this in a different way than I ever did. Yeah. I think too, you know, going even back to this is the 20th year covering the bears that, you know, at the beginning of that tenure um, guys were, probably not encouraged to the point of, of expressing themselves, of being open or even talking about it. There, there would be probably I discouraged, would, right? I mean, <laughs> or discouraged or mocked, you know, yeah. if, if people were this open about their feelings in the bears locker room 20 years ago, my sense is that they would be uh, reluctant to do that because of the repercussions from a, you know, peer pressure type of way. And, and there's not any, one or two examples or one or two players I'm thinking of specifically, but I do think just overall the culture in the NFL at that point in time, it was, it was less accepting of things like talking about translucence and mental health awareness and, and vulnerability. They would be viewed as soft. Um, so that's, you know, my career in my experiences as a, as a reporter, you know, going back to when I played, you know, a generation ago, it was totally different because, you didn't really even understand what uh, what that what that represented. So you you didn't think about fragility and all you worried about. You know, Mike played college football, so all you worried about was getting beaten out and being the toughest guy in the room if you could. So, you know, going from uh, I had an experience again. This is not related to. Uh, what Demar Hamlin went through, and uh, but you, uh, a concussion. Uh, you're you're on a stretcher. I'm in an ambulance. You're in an emergency room, and all I could think about was, am I? It was in the spring. Am I going to miss a practice? Yeah. And it wasn't about, boy, I want to get in touch with my feelings, and I want to understand the risk reward <laughs> calculus. There was none of that conversation, and frankly, there were no resources available. It was just, am I going to miss a practice because I can't lose my job? And so we've come a long way since then. And I think it all represents progress because you could hear from Sam Mustafa, from David Montgomery, from Josh Allen throughout the league. There are all kinds of examples this week of just how far the league has come. Last thoughts on this. I, I, I give the Bears a lot of credit. They have their leadership council, as most teams do, to be able to sound these things out in a very productive manner. And those leadership council meetings are much more productive when you have a group of good leaders. I think this team, for as much as we kill them for, for losing 14 games and not having one in two months and everything else, has a locker room full of human beings that you want to build successful things with. Like I've experienced that all year with guys who are mature and grounded and capable of perspective and all of those things. And when you have that kind of leadership, it helps you. It helps you through 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 difficult times, which, you know, there are different <laughs> brands of difficult times as the Bears have, can, can surely attest. Um, but a credit to those guys, because you said, look, like David Montgomery and Sam Mustafer are, are, are great leaders and great speakers in that locker room. 
we were giving the Bears PR team a list of 15 guys that we thought would be good in this environment and, and said, like, like, look, we get some guys aren't going to want to talk. You know, they don't want to get on that stage and, and be this vulnerable. But the fact that there were that many guys yeah. that we felt that, that, that were capable of doing it is a testament to, to some of the stuff that they're building there. You know how rare that is. There's, yes. there's some years where you can't get to five. You can, you know, it's a right. short list. And this is not one of those years. Yeah, this is going to be an ongoing conversation. I think the awareness has been heightened and, and the conversations are valuable. We'll continue to have them here on the Take the North podcast as this evolves. And, and hopefully as DeMar Hamlin continues to recover, 